Okay, we're going to be doing a special message today. And for me, it's probably one of the most special messages that I'll ever get to do, which is that in our Christmas message, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So as I like to say, you know, each year is a gift. Each time that I get to speak of this event, you know, I always have the realization that each year could always be my last to do a Christmas sermon. So each time is definitely God's gift. And, and for all of us, the greatest gift for was, was to see John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And to me, you know, doing this, it never gets old, telling the story about what happened. And the reason being is because he is the only begotten son, not the only forgotten son. So I have absolutely no problem speaking of the greatest birth of all time every single year. And, and for me, it's sad to see things go further from him during this time of the year. So I, I always pray that I do right by him. And I say this because I want you to imagine something here. I want you to imagine it being your birthday. And everyone shows up and, and brings a cake with somebody else's name on it. And, and, and you see the gifts that were brought. And it has somebody else's name on it. How would you feel? If, if such a thing were to happen. So I want to focus on the rightful guest of honor, who is, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus, whose name is Yahshua, which means God saves. And we're here to hear this because we, we share the same Father. And we're here to celebrate the, the birth of the Father who willingly came for our eternal lives. You know, I look at life, and when we have it well here, you know, the majority of us were born in hospitals. He was born in a manger. You know, we had doctors and nurses, midwives for some of us. He had Mary and Joseph, a homemaker and a carpenter. But the thing is, is that no one else on earth had a choir of angels come down to sing about them on their birth, except for him. Nobody had wise men called the Magi travel from another country just to meet and bring gifts. No one in the, no one in the world in the, in, or in the Bible except for the Lord was born a virgin birth. So who is he to us? You know, I think of the comment that was made uh, over the years. I've heard it said before that I am of no, or I'm, I am so heavenly minded that I am of no earthly good. Well, I've always kind of chuckled after hearing that because if you think about it, we could never be any earthly good until we are heavenly minded. But who really truly is heavenly minded? No one was except for that of our Lord and Savior. Only he was, was truly heavenly minded. So as we come, whether we go to church to hear the message of our Lord and Savior's birth, or whether you have chosen to listen to this message, you know, you, you gather or you listen, not just because that you have to, but because you want to. So as we look at the events of what we're going to see, we're going to see what authentic worshipers were. And the question is, is will we be the authentic worshipers that we're going to witness in these chapters? Let's take a look at, at chapter 2 of Luke. And I'm going to start us off in verse 1. 
And it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all around the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went down to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So Mary and Joseph were already knowing that she would give uh, birth to the Savior. And I'll explain briefly how she found out. And that was through the angel Gabriel. Mary was at her house and, and, and out of nowhere comes the angel Gabriel. To deliver the message that she is going to be carrying. The, bear, the, the child, the Messiah. But what was shocking to her was, how could this be when she's never been with a man? Well, the angel Gabriel gave her the whole story. That she was a woman of valor, chosen to be the mother carrying the Messiah. Now this again was prophecy that has been prophesied hundreds of years before. And I'm sure Mary, uh, being a, a devout Jewish woman, knew the scriptures and, and has known for for some time that she'd be carrying, or that, that this Messiah was going to be born of a virgin birth, but not of her, I'm sure. Never did she ever see this coming. So it says she pondered it in her heart. Now, can you imagine being chosen for such a thing when you were just really... An average, uh, an average person on a daily basis who never would have ever guessed that you would have been chosen for such a thing. Now what had happened was, Joseph, who she was betrothed to, now a betrothing was normally done uh, between parents. Uh, and a lot of times the parents would, would place uh, children together that would be married one day. And a lot of times, too, in Mary's case, it could have been up to the age of 12 as well, when uh, betrothing was also very common. So she was betrothed to a man named Joseph, who was a carpenter. And at this time, they together were going to be registered... As, as through the uh, the Caesar Augustus, who was known as Octavian, Octavian decided to go ahead and start the the census around the area through the Roman Empire, and the reason he did that was basically to make sure that they had everybody registered to make sure that taxes were being paid. So for us today, when we see that uh, when we have to see the census is on us, and then we with the taxes we pay, we could look at uh, Caesar Augustus, better known as Octavian, and thank him for that. But I am thankful for it, because the reason being is because without this, there wouldn't have been documentation of proof that these people existed. So through this, there was a registration that took place. Mary and Joseph were registered. They went, they went over here to register. Now, the fact that they were, that they were in, uh, near Bethlehem, where, he, where she gave birth... Joseph was from Nazareth, where Jesus was was to grow up. Now, that was a good 60 to 70 some miles away from where they're at. So this chapter has to do with the account of the Lord's birth, but it gives the utmost recognition of worship and celebration toward him as well. 
And everyone did it right the first time here in the celebration of Christmas in this chapter. You know, it's become a time nowadays that's, that's depressing to many people. And the reason is because of, of what society has made Christmas to be over time. This is the greatest event of all time, which is why the greatest choir anyone heard on earth was heard by those shepherds that we're going to hear about. And, and not only were there just angels, but, but heavenly hosts, which were the angels of the Lord's army, Mighty defenders singing, singing the praises of his arrival. Let's continue to read. Now there were in the same day country, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you which you will, be a, which will, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good will toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known them, saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. So again, we had the account. The angels came down. They found these shepherds. The greatest choir <laughs> that anyone could have ever heard was these shepherds. Now, I'd have to say I'm a little envious here of that. But I tell you, I'm glad it happened that they got to see this and witness this. And, and everything happened according to plan. That he would be born in the city of David, which was Bethlehem, as it was prophesied hundreds of years back. And, and it's such a neat picture. As one of my favorite songs during the Christmas season is, is Silent Night. As I could picture the event of this happening, most likely every single person might have been in bed. Every candle has been snuffed out for the evening. And, and there you have it. The birth of the Messiah is now on earth. And with excitement and joy, angels in search of somebody to tell. And of all people, they found shepherds who were considered the lowest of, of people when it came to uh, vocation. They weren't very respected. They didn't have the best of reputation amongst people. But the angels didn't care. They had to find somebody. They found somebody to tell and to sing the praises in front of. Which is what we were required to do as well. And in fact, there was also there was a, na a man by the name of Simeon that was waiting for this moment. Let's take a look at verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this was a man, this was a man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the, the Lord Christ. 
So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So Simeon, he had a piece of of seeing God's promise fulfilled in his life. He accomplished the most important thing on his bucket list. (laughs) It was God promising him that he would see the Messiah. But even better than that, he actually got to hold him in his arms. He knew that Christ was going to change the world. And not just do a work in Israel, but he was a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Which is every one of us, if if you're not Jewish, then you were considered a Gentile. So we know that this stands true today. Why? Because we are the proof that 2,000 years later we stand here to this day. Those Gentiles that he spoke of in this scripture. But now as we are the proof of this revelation, the real question is, is how do we become the example of today in our worship and our walk with the Lord? I want to go ahead and take a look. I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12, and it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For this is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared, and had sent to them to Bethlehem, and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So we can see here that Herod had no intention on worshipping the Lord. It was his intention on killing him. Herod had put out a hit on every single male born from, from birth to the age of two years old that they were to be killed. And it was due out of jealousy. Perhaps Herod had known the scriptures, but he didn't want to hear the name of another king being told to him. But, 
as it was mentioned by Simeon, that the Gentiles would see the revelation of Christ. We see that. God spoke to a group of Gentiles and used their, their expertise to guide them to the Lord, which was the Magi. You know, the Magi, these were astrologers, as the term was used, Magi for wise men in neighboring Babylon and Persia. These were like your ancient day physics majors, astrophysics, as, as God would uh, used what they knew in order to lead them to Christ, which was the star. You know, these guys traveled hundreds of miles to bring gifts of gold, myrrh, and incense, which were very expensive gifts that would be normally given to kings. And the Magi, these guys were the authentic worshippers. And why? Because they came a great distance just to see him. You know, they didn't come to receive something. The Lord was a baby or a toddler at this point. And he'd done nothing, he'd done nothing for them. They came simply to worship him solely because of who he was. You know, I look at the world and the things that they'd say about the Lord. They had, they've, had, they've had some nice things to say about the Lord. I've seen some say that he was a soft and he was meek, patient, humble, and a tranquil spirit. And that he was the first true gentleman that ever breathed. And as all those were true, there was much more to that. See, the Magi, when they brought these gifts, these gifts were brought in representation of what and who he really was. The gold, the incense, and the myrrh. The gold was the representation of his, of his kingship, of his lordship, his royalty. The myrrh, myrrh was used to embalm bodies. When, 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 they were di- when they were dead, they would use it to, in the embalming of the bodies, which would represent his death. And then the incense, which was, normally, which was normally lit, which was a form of worship to deity, which represented his, his deity to his God. And so they, there was much more to him than that. See, the Lord, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies in the Bible. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the bright and morning star. He is the Alpha and the, Alpha and the Omega, the Savior. And what his life on earth proved was that he was 100% man, 100% God. Why? Because he was man, because he was born like us. But he was God because his birth was divine. He was man because he ate just like we did, but he, he was God because he was able to feed 5,000 people with, with two fish and five loaves of bread. He was man because he drank just like we did, but he was God because he was able to walk on water. And he was man because he died just like we will, but he was God because he was able to raise himself from the dead three days later. So how will our celebration be come this Christmas Eve and Christmas morning? How will it be outside of the church walls? See, the Lord wants us to be authentic worshipers. We've become very, very cultural nowadays. You drive around... And you'll see decorations that are given, given reverence to things that pertain to absolutely nothing of the birth of Christ. 
we've taken this this season and created it into into our own cultural likings. But in the truth of the matter, there's absolutely no reason for us to be in the most depressed state that we are because of the fact that that we've we've culturalized the true meaning of what we're celebrating. The Lord has called us to celebrate Him at all times. And we're here to do that. As I said before, always want to do right by Him. It's funny considering the fact that I've heard a term that people have used which is called Santa Claus theology. Santa Claus theology is basically it's saying that I don't really care too much about the gift giver more so than what I'm getting out of it. And that's become a very a very common outlook. Is is what can I get out of out of uh, having the Lord? I don't really care so much about about who he is, but I care more about what I'm going to get out of it. So when I looked at the aspect of of authentic worshipers, the challenge is where do we stand? Where do we stand in in the authentic worship of our Father? So how will you celebrate? How will you celebrate outside of the church walls? How will we celebrate amongst our families and our friends, amongst the, the, decorated, the decorated tree, amongst the gifts under the, under the tree, or whatever it is that we've created it to be. See, to us that follow on a regular basis, every day and every, every day to us is Christmas, every day to us is Easter, <laughs> But it's that time where we get to come together. We do get to come together and remember this special moment. No, we were not given a date on the actual birth of our Lord. But we know that it happened and we know where it happened. And that's what's most important. And so I want to take this time to remind us as we observed these chapters briefly, will we be like the angels in the singing of the praises and worship of the birth? Will we be like the shepherds who, who rushed to see the proof of who it was that was born and, and that the Messiah had come? You know, will we be like the Magi who traveled a great distance and brought gifts expecting nothing Will we be like Simeon, who knew that the Lord was here and now he could die tomorrow because he knew that the greatest thing that ever happened is now in, here on earth? You know, if you think about it, it's amazing that as we read through this in the Bible... That the Jewish, the Jewish leaders and Herod and all, all the, uh, all the religious leaders were not spoken to about this by God. God chose a select few people to witness this great event. So again, 2,000 years later, we still celebrate this. 
And God wants everyone to know and to celebrate. But if you want to celebrate in truth, the only way you could do that is by receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. And by doing that, it's a simple way of prayer of faith. And if you want to receive the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because that is what He came for. He knew He was coming down here to earth. And He knew what His purpose was. So if you want to take take this moment and you want to be able to, to, to see Him one day in eternity, there is one way to do so and that is through a prayer of faith and salvation. So repeat after me if you feel led. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, that you would wash me of my, of my sins, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for me, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would receive me, Lord. And I want to thank you for having me. And Lord, I want, to, I want to thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins. Lord, I love you. I praise you, Lord. And I thank you again for having me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, I wish everyone a Merry Christmas, a blessed time with friends and family. And, and even if you were alone, I pray that it would be well spent for the true meaning of what we're doing here. Because you're never alone when He's with you. So again, may this be a joyous time for the right reason. So may you have Him in your life always. May you and your family be blessed always. And may you be continually praying for me and mine. So may God bless you all and keep you. And may you have a blessed new year. Take care.